Chapter Twelve of Fritz to the Front by Edward L. Wheeler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. A pitiful end. The situation of Fritz was to him a decidedly gloomy one, as owing to the impenetrable darkness his eyesight was of no use whatever. He did not know either if it was safe to stir, as there might be another trap which he would fall into and go headlong down into some other pit but he resolved to test the matter and feel out the boundaries of his new prison at once groping about inch by inch and trying the floor in front of him before trusting the weight of his body upon it he soon came to a plastered wall and concluded by that that he still remained in the building having probably only fallen to the first floor well dot don't vas so pad ash i first expected he muttered feeling a little more assured i thought i was going way down to der blaze ver they manufacture firecrackers der next question is there any outlet to dis prison i wonder keeping his hands upon the wall he walked several times around the dark apartment without pausing there is not von der door or winder nor all of any kind he finally muttered i would not have such a house for a gift the room indeed appeared to be barren of those accessories as far as he was able to learn by the sense of feeling and it would seem that it was thus purposely prepared for a prison well i guess i might as well prepare to imitate der example of dr tanner und go without some things to eat for forty years or so fritz muttered feeling his stomach dolefully for the apples had far from satisfied his appetite but if possible i must get out of here somehow before fox and her boys get here just how he was to do it furnished him a serious subject to ponder on curse the girl she's fainted the smuggler chief cried pausing in his horrible work perhaps she's playing off to escape punishment the countess suggested with a malicious smile the american mademoiselle is very deceitful faint or no faint she shall get all that her stubborn resistance demands Greville growled mercilessly, and he raised the whip and struck her another stinging blow. "'Stop! Strike that girl again, and I'll kill you!' a voice cried not far in their rear, and turning they beheld a stranger rushing up, a pair of cocked revolvers in hand. "'Furies!' Greville gasped, turning pale. "'Mon Dieu! What's to pay? Let's fly!' from the countess. "'No, we will stand our ground!' the smuggler hissed the newcomer stood before them with stern accusing gaze and a face flushed from his run devils he cried what is the meaning of this brutal scene explain instantly it was the leadville speculator thornton who spoke and there was grim business expressed in his tone what right have you to intrude in what is none of your business greville demanded sourly eh i'll show you you brutal puffy don't give me any of your lip or i'll blow your brains out why cuss my boots you're as bad as the dog injuns on the frontier i presume i have a right to chastise my own child sir when her conduct deserves it that's not your child gary gregg i know you you are the wretch i have been longing to meet these ten years you know me the smuggler cried in amazement why i know you the westerner cried you are the worthless devil who trapped minnie gray into a secret marriage years ago and after leaving with her a couple of years and abusing her left her in poverty to live with a woman you had previously married and incurred your enmity by winning your sweetheart away from you gregg sneered mockingly 
be that as it may you are responsible for a good woman's death and you shall answer for it tell me sir is this poor child you have been beating the daughter of minnie gray if you like yes then curse you leave this spot at once if you don't want me to shoot you down i'll take care you never strike her again go i say or i'll kill you without hesitation there was a stern glare in the spectator's eyes that betokened danger and accompanied by the countess and grogan the smuggler chief hurried away as soon as they had gone mr thornton cut the bonds that held silly sue to the post and laid her tenderly down upon the soft grass hurrying down to the beach he procured some water in his hat and returning dashed it in her face but although he did this and chaffed her hands and wrists she did not open her eyes her breath came in stifled gasps and her heart beat slowly by heaven i believe they have killed her mr thornton muttered feelings of terrible rage swelling within him the equal of this brutality is seldom even among the red devils on the frontier ah gary gregg if this poor child dies you shall pay bitterly for her life or my name is not thornton he continued faithfully in his endeavors to bring her back to consciousness but all to no avail while he was thus engaged there came sounds of rapid footsteps and hal hartley dashed up flushed and excited great heaven what is the matter with susie he demanded on seeing her lying on the ground so cold and white i fear she is dying young man mr thornton replied solemnly i cannot restore her to consciousness was she anything to you sir indeed yes she was all the world to me poor child and we were to be married one of these days hartley replied kneeling beside her with tears in his eyes susie oh susie my little waif can't you look up and speak to me the girl slowly opened her eyes and gazed up at him with a loving smile yes how i know i am dying how where is fritz i don't know darling i have not seen him since morning well when you see him tell him i sent the message and got an answer that the detectives would come the detectives yes i went for him to telegraph for them and he gave me five dollars it is in my pocket hal you can have it to get me a little plain stone for my grave but susie you can't be dying tell me what is the matter she has been cruelly beaten i came here a few moments ago and drove off the devils but i fear i came too late mr thornton explained sadly it was papa you know she added as hartley uttered a cry of astonishment he discovered the errand i had done and had a big irishman capture me and bring me here then he and the countess came and i was tied to a stake and whipped till i fainted they have killed me i guess i feel as if i'm filling up inside and something tells me i shall die soon i hate to leave you hal but i'm not afraid to die i have always said my prayers loved the lord and been honest and i know he will receive me the girl's childish faith and simplicity touched mr thornton as well as young hartley and tears flowed freely the little outcast soon closed her eyes again her arms about hartley's neck as she rested in his embrace and peaceful expression of contentment upon her face about sunset she spoke without opening her eyes how she said softly yes susie he replied what do you wish not much after i'm gone burn the old house yonder and break up the smugglers yes susie and you'll be a good man hal all your life so you will join me in heaven i will try dearest then kiss me good-bye convulsed with sobs the grief-stricken lover obeyed 
and just as the last rays of sunset began to fade susie breathed her last expiring without the least appearance of pain and a faint peaceful smile upon her lips for some moments after her death neither hartley nor mr thornton spoke but finally the latter said she is gone where she will know no more suffering or sorrow and it is perhaps better so is your home nearby i live in sort of a hut back in the woods and if you will lend me a hand we will take her there the speculator assented and hartley procured a wide board and laid the limp form upon it then raising the primitive litter between them they left the bluff and took to the lonely country road which they followed until they came to a rude shanty standing in the edge of the woods they bore their burden into the only room and deposited it upon a couple of stools hartley then turned to mr thornton you are a stranger to us sir he said but would you kindly remain here until i can go to a neighboring town and make arrangements for her burial certainly my boy then i will go and send the undertakers at once to take charge of the remains if i do not return with the undertakers let them remove the body and i will see you later perhaps he then kissed the lips and forehead of the dead girl and took his departure once outside his whole demeanor underwent a change his face became stern and hard in its expression and his eyes gleamed with a wild light that could hardly have been pronounced sane first the house he muttered between his clenched teeth then i will see to the burial after that revenge words uttered with a power of feeling which bespoke grim resolution hurrying back to the bluff he entered the building and from the pantry brought an oil can and poured oil about in a number of different places applying a lighted match to each as a result bright sheets of flame sprung up and in less time almost than it takes to tell it the interior of the old rookery was on fire in several places then with a wild laugh he turned and fled from the building and disappeared from the vicinity of the bluff the old house was doomed and in the doorless windowless trap-room where he had so unexpectedly become imprisoned was fritz in the most unenviable situation one could well conceive captain gregg as we shall henceforth call him learned of silly sue's death shortly after it occurred through the irishman who while pretending to leave the spot had scouted around and lurked in the vicinity until hartley and mr thornton had departed with the body gregg was both alarmed and surprised when he heard the news and immediately sought the countess for consultation he had no idea he had done the girl any fatal bodily injury if she was dead and the cause of her death came to be known he well knew that he would be called upon to answer to the law the countess listened to his recital of grogan's report the lines in her thin face growing even harder than their wont i feared this she said you were very much savage what do you advise that we remain where we be for the present you say this stranger be an old enemy of yours yes doubly so now from a fact that he is the father of griff's prisoner that's locked up in the dungeon oh this is bad water be the dutchman there's no telling perhaps griffith will know when he comes but griffith did not come it was nearly dark in the outer world when he recovered from the terrible blow he had got from fritz's pistol in the cave and staggered to the inner cavern the moment he entered it a smell of burning timbers greeted his nostrils by heaven the house above is burning up i believe he cried rushing to the rope ladder and beginning to climb it rapidly 
but it only got a few feet up when it gave way and he fell to the ground considerably bruised the devil's to pay now he muttered angrily a fellow will smother down here for a moment the young villain stood irresolute then he approached the door of madge thornton's cell madge he called there was no answer madge he shouted in a louder tone at the same time rattling the door savagely well what do you want she demanded rising from her cot i want to know if you want to escape from this place alive why what's the matter matter enough the old house is burning down and if you don't want to suffocate you must leave this place at once with me well why don't you open the door then he was unlocking the great padlock even as he spoke i am perfectly willing to do so and when you reveal to me the hiding-place of your father's money which you had when you left leadville you are free to go he said standing in the doorway are you foolish enough to suppose for one moment i will reveal that if you don't do it curse you i will leave you here to suffocate do so i would cheerfully pay that penalty of my folly in ever having anything to do with you a hundred times rather than submit to your demands then but no i'll release you if you'll give me half of the sum not a cent you detestable wretch curses on your obstinacy you have refused to do what is right and you shall take the consequences stepping back he reclosed the door angrily and hastily relocked the padlock then he left the main chamber for the outer one and jumped into the boat the tide was now on the ebb and the water was now down so that he could row out of the hole into the ocean as soon as he got out a grand sight met his gaze the old house on top of the bluff was in a sheet of lurid flame lighting up the early evening which otherwise was quite dark showers of sparks ascended toward the heavens and the crackling of the dancing blaze made weird music pulling in to shore griffith gregg leaped from the boat and clambered up the side of the bluff the first man he met was thornton of leadville who had fastened up the hut and hurried to the scene of the conflagration as soon as he had discovered the light the recognition was mutual and each uttered a cry at last the speculator cried and bounded forward and seized his enemy by the throat gregg clinched with him and the two men rolled to the ground in a fierce struggle the lurid light of the burning building lighting up the scene like unto the colored fire to some wild exciting drama End of chapter 12